Christmas, you guys. Thank you so much for being here. If this is your first time, welcome, welcome, welcome. And then for those in the extended sanctuary, thank you for being here and sacrificing your seats so that everyone can be in here. Uh, when you came in, you were given a bulletin. And as you can see, we are continuing in our series, Choosing Truth. And today we're going to be talking about the truth about Christmas. Over the past 100 years, if we look at our history and in recent history, we have probably changed as a world more in the past 100 years than in the past 2,000 years. But what is interesting about that is mankind has never been able to solve what every person strives for in that time period. Don't we all strive for peace? Like even in our very own homes, we want peace. We want, we want everyone to just get along. We want everyone to have a joyful time when, when, uh, when family come over and people gather and then someone says something and then here comes the fight or someone says something negative to you, then it changes the atmosphere, it changes our hearts, it changes our attitude. It's like everyone strives for peace, but I'm wondering, are we getting any closer to peace? Did you know that the world spends $1.76 trillion, in fact, this was in 2012, the military, $1.76 trillion worldwide, military-wise, just so that we can have peace. $1.76 trillion. I'd, rather, I'd take the $0.06 trillion of that. However, are we any closer to world peace? $1.76 trillion just so that we can have peace. It's like it's not even working. It's not, it's not going in the right direction. But here's, the, here's, here's what Christmas reminds us and, and, and tells us is that even in the mess that we're in in this world, that when God steps in, it becomes a beautiful mess. That even with our flaws and our mistakes and the things that we've done wrong or what we call sin, God steps in and then it becomes something beautiful. Not that what we do that is wrong is beautiful, but that God can do something great with someone like me who, have messed, who has messed up big time, who makes mistakes, who falls into this thing called sin. That when we stray far from God, God never strays from us. If you ever feel distant from God, it's not God who moved. It's usually us. See, Christmas is that time of year. You kind of know when it's coming. I mean, even in July or summertime, some stores, they bring in Christmas decorations. And, and, uh, and some of us, we're, we're like, what? It's not even Thanksgiving yet, and you're setting up Christmas uh, decorations. So you know Christmas is coming up. Some of you love Christmas so much that you decorate your homes way before Thanksgiving. And you just don't want nobody to know. You just decorate it for yourself. You listen to Christmas music like all year long. Or the closer you get to Christmas, you listen to Christmas music. Uh, there's Christmas specials on TV. Uh, you watch the, you know, the old school kinds of uh, cartoons like Frosty the Snowman or Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And, you know, all these uh, children's shows, Charlie Brown's First Christmas or something like that. Charlie Brown's Christmas. So it's like we do these things because it's Christmas. And this is what we do during Christmas. Families get together. People travel. Our college uh, kids are home. And people travel a lot and, and get together and we have parties because it's Christmas. 
Christmas is probably the only holiday that is celebrated more than just with one day. For some, it's an entire month. For some, it's almost all year round. But Christmas has that feel to it because it's a special day. It's not just another holiday. Did you know that your birthday, the date, the year of your birthday and my birthday, is centered around Christ's birthday. It's dated by his birthday. 2013. That's 2013 years after the birth of Christ or after Christ or when you look at the different calendar system and we, you know, we had to change and all of that. Uh, right now it's A.D., Anno Domini, the year of our Lord. 2013 years after the day of our Lord. Everything in history points to Jesus Christ. It's interesting, every time we write a check or we stamp a date, whether you believe in Jesus or not, you're using him as a reference. That's how important Christmas is. And even though people want to take away or not use Christmas because it's, it's offensive, it still doesn't change the fact that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That even in the mess we're in, he wanted, he wanted to bring us something great, something beautiful, something that the world could never offer, and that's his peace. Everyone is striving for peace. Peace is very expensive. I mean, we, just with what we're spending on with the military, it's expensive. We can't buy peace. In the book of Luke, it outlines and kind of gives us a picture of what was going on during the birth of Christ. And if you do have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter 2. And I'll read from verse 1, and it just gives us a, a, a story, the story of Jesus Christ being born. And although we, we hear about Christ being born, we, we understand the Christmas season, and we know that it was Jesus being born, there's so much more to learn because of what God has done through Jesus Christ and what he is doing in our world today. And it reads this in Luke chapter 2, verse 1, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, watch, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for, I, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, 
peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. In other words, they, they had to tell everyone. We would do the same thing too, except we use Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. They had to physically tell people. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen as it was told them. Mary kind of kept these things and pondered them in her heart. Now, we can read this story and we can visually kind of make out what was going on. But Mary was there witnessing this whole thing and she pondered on them. And in other words, remember what she went through with the angel of the Lord saying to her, you will be with child, you will conceive from the Holy Spirit and you will bring forth the Son of God. Now, sounds simple to us. First of all, birth is difficult. Ask any woman who gave birth. They'll tell you it's difficult. But now she's giving birth to the Son of God. I mean, you're just trying to think of, is, is he going to be a straight-A student? Is he going to be a good boy? Well, how is this going to happen? Is he going to correct me? Do I have to correct him? How do I discipline the Son of God? I mean, do I give him spanking? What if I give him spanking and then he corrects me? Well, how, how do you deal with that? Because it's not an easy thing. We read history, but she was there at the present moment. See, Christmas, for many of you, may not be your favorite time of year. Maybe you have questions. Maybe you have doubts. Maybe you're going through a mess right now and you're wondering how you're going to get out of this mess or is this season of mess going to pass? Some of you are in a painful situation right now. Maybe someone is not feeling well or someone is in the hospital or, or someone is, is going through something and, and they're in your family, your child or your parent or loved one or a sister or brother. And, and it's, a, it's a difficult season because Christmas is supposed to be a joyful season. But it's hard to be joyful when there are many things that are sad. For some of you, this is the first year without that loved one because they passed away this year. And, and boy, that's a tough thing to do. You're decorating and then those emotions come up and you put on the ornament that reminds you of that person. A song is played, a, a certain uh, a gathering that reminds you of that person. A song is, is played and you remember that. Or, or maybe it's a stocking that you hang up and you're thinking of that person. And this may not be the best time of the year. A couple that uh, comes to our church, Christina and Justin Smith, they experienced something that was tragic and they're sharing their testimony with us this morning. And if you know their, their, their story, boy, it's, it's, it's a difficult one to deal with. But the reason why they wanted to share it is this one word, hope. That's why they wanted to share their story. That they wanted to let you know if you're struggling with something and if there's something that you're giving up on and you're saying, God, you're not there, you're not going to help me, I don't, I, don't, I don't believe that you can help me through this. They want you to understand that there is hope because even in our marriages, 
when certain things happen and issues come up or we have to deal with something so difficult, horrific, catastrophic, we can either throw in the towel or call out to God, trust in Him, and be embraced by people who love you. Let's take a look at this video with Justin and Christina Smith. Um, I would say probably that our marriage was doomed just because um, we were kind of, both of us were doing our own thing. Worked in Kona the majority of our relationship and would come back for a couple of days out of the week. And so I was raising Keely on our own and then Kahia comes along and then we start building our house. And it's just one project after another project after another project. So he's busy, I'm busy, there's no us time. It just was creating a bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger gap between the two of us. So there were nights that, you know, he would come home and I was like, I'm ready to pack my stuff, I'm done. And you can only say that so many times before it just becomes like an idle threat. And maybe at that point it had already become like an idle threat. But bottom line was, was like my heart was already kind of starting to shut off from the relationship. I'm very much a workaholic, still am, but I took work to after work to spend time with the family. Didn't really know as a young, younger parent and husband that it was affecting my marriage. Basically, it was like an ordinary day and he was working and I was home with the kids and he had told me that family was going to come up to barbecue after work and I was down with that. One of his aunties and uncles and we had seen him in a while and I missed him. So I had gone to the store and got stuff for barbecue and we came home and we got ready. and. The subdivision at the time, there was only maybe three or four houses in the subdivision. So the kids were playing outside and um, cars were moving about and he got ran over. Um, immediately, I immediately went into shock. There was no like transitioning into that. I, could, I, could, I literally could not even move. All I could do was stand there and scream. Anyone can assess the, the, the scene and know that that's it. There's no, I mean, it literally would have taken like a modern day miracle for the outcome to be anything other than what it was. Just burden, I guess, would be the biggest. Mm. Um, because being the man of the house and not taking, you know, the precautions as far as being responsible for everyone here would be the hugest uh, I think I took that on for a couple years or so just a burden of not um, pulling through for the family. Our, our, our family like just surrounded us and supported us in, in a massive way I think that was, that they would definitely, be the biggest song yeah. the biggest throughout like Christmas time and stuff, or throughout the whole thing, 
have family and friends, and church, and everybody just every day coming in. Pretty much for like <coughs> over a year. That's that's when like church became like really really huge to us, and that's where that's kind of where we really discovered new hope. But it helped to like it started to help to break the burden of what had happened mm -hmm. and just shame. There's definitely a relief when you just have have this like un, unconditional love and nobody's nobody's judging you whether they know your story or they don't. Well so I was always raised in church and so that was the foundation that was set for me was was what I knew I had to go back to. Like, literally the first thought that went through my mind when the accident happened was like, God, you know, what do I do? And then, you know, I, fa I faced the doubt of, of are we going to be able to get through this? But then it immediately went right back to belief. It went to faith. And Justin wasn't raised in church, so... Um, I was kind of concerned that there was going to be like a, t a tug of war challenge, you know, to get him to embrace and realize what a church family brought to us, what they had to offer us. And so that was another thing that kind of played over my mind was, you know, how, how well is he going to receive the love of a church family? And he's always been supportive 100%, and I'd say he probably... Get more love, get more fans at the church than I do. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. For me, I, I struggled, I think, struggled because I didn't grow up in the church and stuff. Doing devotions and I stuff was not part of life. But um, for me, the, the accident actually helped me. I think find my spirit again um, because I feel like I could have gone either route. I could have, mm. I could have been a disaster, or I could have lived a light. Hope is not just a word to throw around lightly because there really is only one place you can find real hope, and that is I know a lot of people. But it's not because I grew up thinking it was cliche. But I've lived to know that it's really not. I always look at the positive um, in any scenario, and I think that you know, with with God, that more so you'll be thinking of more of the positive than the negative things that happen. Like um, He's trying to heal you and try to push you through it. It was almost like we hadn't really even cried out to God yet, but it was it was just undoubtedly He was there. So what is your marriage like now? It's still crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think we're more prepared for 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 things. You know, if things ha things were to happen, we would be definitely more prepared be because of you know, God's word.
thank Justin and Christina just for sharing. And I, I do apologize, we're dealing with some sound issues, and I, I don't know if you caught that, but their, their child uh, got run over, and they had to deal with the death of their, their, their child in a season where their marriage was falling apart. And I wonder, something Justin said, he said, if, if not for the accident, then, you know, I don't know where we would be today. And I, and I have to wonder, whenever there's something that comes into our life, whether there's a, an accident, whether we're doing something to cause our own pain and suffering or whatever takes place in our life, I got to ask the question, how does God do what he does when he steps in? You know, because we can look in retrospect and say, well, God, why this and why that? And we can try and explain our way through. But what I learned from Justin and Christina is it's hard to explain God. But you definitely can experience his love and his, his, his genuine compassion for you and I. See, it lets me know that that God cares for us, that God sees our pain, he knows our suffering, especially in the world that we live in. That you may not be feeling that this is the most precious time of the year. There's no pleasure, there's pain. You may feel horrible or pressure. And it's a hard season to be in. But God wants you to know that he's with you, that he understands what you're going through, regardless of what you're going through. Because we've got to remember something. Even though we may feel the way we feel and we go through our ups and downs, Christmas is really a birthday party. That's what it is. We're actually celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. If you're taking notes, you want to write that in and not forget that Christmas is a birthday party. Now, again, it's, it's hard to celebrate Christmas if you're going through something, but usually at birthday parties, you give good gifts. And the gift that God wants to give us is the love of Christ. That during this season, we're reminded that God's gift to us is, is freedom from our sin. It's the love of Christ. It's eternal life. It's, it's a gift that no one else can give. You know what is interesting? As adults, it's hard for us to get gifts for one another, isn't it? Like, for instance, Heidi will ask me, you know, what do you want for Christmas? And the moment she asks that, I'm thinking, I have no idea. I don't know. What, what do I need? I mean, and, and usually, you know, we've been married for 21 years, 22. Every day seems like new. So we've been married for 21 years. And so being married that long, when someone tells you, you know, when your spouse tells you, well, what do you want for Christmas? Honestly... Because in my heart, I feel all I need is Heidi. That's how I feel, right? But if you bought me something, keep it. Just, I'm just saying. You do. You feel that way. You, you feel like you don't need anything more. When you understand the love of God and you have Christ, you have your family, you don't feel like that. Now, when you're dating and then they ask you, well, what would you like for Christmas? You start thinking of expensive things, jewelry or, or, or things like that, or, or, or like an iPad or, or, or something that you can actually use. But it's different when you're married because it's tougher to get something for someone that you love. Like some of you might be thinking, oh, man, 
we could sure use a, a, a better washer or dryer or stove or, 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 or refrigerator. But that's for the family. It's not for the spouse. That's, you don't get that for your spouse. You get that because you get that. Now, if you already bought that and you're thinking, great, you just ruined my surprise. Just go out and buy another gift for your spouse. It'd be all right. Because that wouldn't work either if you're dating. Would that work? Oh, you know what I got you for your birthday? Check it out. And it's a brand new refrigerator. That it's a huge box in the garage. And then they look in it and they're thinking, oh, I'm going to open this big box. It's going to be a smaller box, smaller box. And it's going to be your ring. No, they open it up and it's a refrigerator. Now, if you're dating, that's not going to work. It just don't work. Getting gifts for adults is hard to do. Now, children, very easy to do. You just get them a toy or a game. Now, the older they get, it's a little bit more complicated. They want an Xbox, a PlayStation. Uh, they want a computer. And some of them are like seven years old. Mommy, can I get an iPhone? <laughs> I'm like, an iPhone? Yeah, pay the bill. <laughs> they, want, they, want, they, want a, they want something that the adults have. And it's easier to get children something. You get them a Nerf gun or you get them like a, a toy. You know, doesn't this happen all the time? You buy the children the toy, they play with the box, and then the adult plays with the toy. <laughs> right? The parents are playing with it. The uncles are using the Nerf gun. Oh, I got you, I got you. It's, it's so hard during this time of year to get the right gift. But God knew exactly what gift to give. He gave us eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. It's his birthday, and he gives us a gift. It's his birthday. And he says, I have the greatest gift to give you. God is a giver, and he gives good gifts. Luke chapter 2, verse 10, the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. It's for everyone. No one is excluded from this free gift. No one is excluded from coming to Christ's birthday party. Everyone is included. He says it doesn't matter what your background looks like, what you've done, your past, your attitude, your behavior, how you feel. It's a gift for every single person. It's good news for everyone to be included in it. It's about receiving Christ's gift, God's gift through Christ. Rather than looking at, at our, our greatest mistakes and saying, well, I, I don't think I can accept God's gift to me because why would he love me? God loved you before you were even born. That's why he thought of you. That's why he, he said, I want eternal life with you. Your life on here, uh, your life on this earth is but a moment. God is looking for eternity. That's what he's looking forward to. 1 John 4, 16, it says, We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. So the Bible says God is love. See, God has love for us because God is love. That's his character. That's his nature. That's who he is. The reason why God came in human form is because God loves you, and he loves me. He comes in human form at the perfect time. John 3.16 tells us, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We all want, well, I don't know if we, well, we do want everlasting life. But in this world, we want to stay 
as young as possible for as long as possible. Isn't it true as a teenager you can't wait till you grow up, then when you're grown up you can't wait to get younger? I have five white hairs now. Five. Boop, 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 boop. Last year I had two. I'm like, where did the three come from? The two gave birth. That's what happened. And it just multiplies and multiplies. And some of you are saying, I don't know white hair. That's because you know more at all. So you're fine with that. But we try our very best to not look older. Now, what I'm about to say might offend you, but I'm not trying to. That's not, my, that's not, that's not what I'm trying to do. What I am saying is we want to stay young. Because some of us, even in our later parts of our years, we dress like we're still teenagers. Now, don't look around and don't nudge people. And I know people are coming to your mind and say, oh, yeah, so I always tell my auntie. It just, it just lets us know that we always want to stay young. We want to be as young as possible. We want to do the things that we used to do. When our minds say, eh, still can, our bodies saying, you got to be crazy. There's no possible way you're going to jump that wall. Our, our bodies will tell us something else. And when you want to tell someone you love them, you don't send someone. You tell them yourself. And that's what God did. It, it, I think in, in, what is it, grade school, you'd write a note. And then you'd say, my friend said, if you like so-and-so, then wear blue tomorrow. Or, if you like so-and-so, check yes. If not, check no. But if there's a chance, check maybe. And then you'd pass the note. Now they just text. Hey, you like me. You like me. And so, you, you, you usually go through someone else in grade school. But if you're bold enough, then you just walk up to the person. I don't know what they say nowadays. You know, when we were growing up, it was like, you let go at me. It's just, just simple like that. You let go at me. And if you was dating on Tira, you know, it's, it's like a tomboy here in Hawaii. She'd be like, well, where are we going? No, you like be my girlfriend. No. And then now you're married. That's like how it works. It's like how it works. Because you, you, if you love someone, you go yourself. There's no way possible as a husband you be in a restaurant and you say, hey, waiter, come, come, come. Me and my wife, we're still celebrating our 25th anniversary marriage. You like let her know I love her. <laughs> Just tell her I love her. Go. Just tell her I love her. Now, if, if you told the waiter to, to tell your wife or you tell the waiter that you love your husband, how would that work in your relationship? Wouldn't that be weird? That wouldn't work. What would happen, husbands, if you did that? You get slapped in the head. It would be that simple. Like, why would, you, why would you send someone to tell someone you love, you love them, unless you had to? God so loved the world that he sent himself. He didn't send a messenger. He said, I'm going to come myself. I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to personally deliver my love, and I'm going to show them the extent of my love. That not only will I come to earth from a perfect place to an imperfect place, but I'm also going to pay the price for their guilt, shame, and sins. So that they could have a relationship with me for eternity. That's why Jesus came at the perfect time. Some of you are praying to God and you're saying, God, I need this, I need that. Why doesn't this happen? God's, 
God's timing is perfect. He knows exactly when to deliver. Because Christmas tells me the second thing. Number two, that God is for me. God is for me. I, I think that should, that should resonate in our hearts. That should resonate in your mind and in your heart that God is for you. He always, he's always looking out for you. That he wants the best for you. 350 times the Bible mentions the word fear. And majority of the times and many of the times, it's telling us to fear not. What God is saying is, I want you to run to me, not from me. Don't be afraid of me. Oh, we have that reverent fear for God. We fear him in that kind of way, that respect for God. But we shouldn't be so afraid of God that we don't turn to him that we respect him so much that we understand that guilt and our ignorance actually drives us away from God. And God says, I am for you. I want the very best for you. I want to do, I, I do great things in your life, but you got to believe that. 1 John 4.18 tells us that there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment. And the one who fears is not perfected in love. God says, you let my love come in, all fear is gone. Why? Because love, perfect love, casts out that fear. My question to you today is, what are you afraid of? What do you fear? What do you fear? Do you fear not being able to pay your bills? Do you fear being kicked out? Do you fear your relationship not going well? Do you fear for your children? Do you fear for your health? Do you fear losing a loved one? What do you fear? God says, I want to fill you with my love because it's going to cast out all of that fear. That's what Christmas tells us, that God is for us. The first statement that the angel said to the shepherds was, do not be afraid. Now, the reason why the shepherds said that is because we have fear in us. It's, it's a mechanism that God put so that it's used for good. What fear actually does is it, it, it secretes, the, uh, secretes adrenaline into our system so that we can think sharper, so that we can move quicker. That's why you're jittery when you become afraid because you have all the adrenaline in your body. But that's so that we can think and move and, and, and do the things we need to that we wouldn't have without having that dose of adrenaline. We, we have it in us. It's already built in. God put it there. But he says, I don't want you to fear me in that kind of way. We are so afraid of me. So the angel said, fear not. We have fear in us. How many of us, we, we get scared from time to time because someone, uh, you know, they, they surprised us or, or they purposefully tried to scare us. But I was in my room one day and I'm ironing. And as I'm ironing, it's, it's quiet, it's peaceful, and I'm just ironing. Heidi, my wife, comes around the corner. She goes, Sheldon, I got to tell you something. I'm like, oh. Oh, she goes, what, what? I said, you startled me. She goes, what? I said, yeah, I, I didn't know you was coming around the corner. I didn't hear you coming. And she goes, well, you got scared. And I said, no, I got startled. It's a more manly way of saying scared. I was startled. I was just caught off guard. You caught me by surprise. Because for men, I think, you know, we feel like we got to protect the family. So even when we're sleeping, something happens, we're like, oh, we think we can beat up everybody and we got to protect the home and we got to beat up the burglar. So we have that inside of us. So I'm already on edge. 
So she walks in the room, she does that. I said, you got to let me know. So she goes, well, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Another time I'm in the room, and then she comes in again. She goes, honey, check this out. I'm like, you got to let me know when you're coming into the room. Or if you do, don't just show up and appear. You know, it's, it's kind of frightening. It's like, well, you're scared. No. Just startling. Caught me off guard. Surprising. She goes, well, what do you want me to do? I said, I don't know. So one day she was in the room, and I wasn't thinking. And I just walked in the room, and I said, Heidi. And she goes, what are you doing? I said, well, I needed something. She goes, you got to let me know when you're coming into the room. I said, why, you're scared. She goes, no, I'm scared of you, which if you know Heidi, she's not. And so I said, well, we got to figure out something. So one day I'm in my room and not even thinking this. Now this is time going by. It's not like four days in a row. Uh, time going by, I'm in there, I'm in the room. And then I hear Heidi in the living room, approaching. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like well, what did she say? And she's coming closer to the room, approaching. I'm like, what is she doing? And she comes in the room, approaching. I'm like, okay, uh, 719, we have a jet flight approaching 7 runway 920. I'm like, what are you doing? She goes, well, you told me you get scared, so I'm letting you know I'm approaching. So that's what we do now in our home. When someone is approaching, that's what we say, approaching. That's what we do. So I told that for first service. And everybody's telling me when I'm greeting them, approaching, <laughs> approaching. I'm like, oh, go home. You can't tease me. But that's, that's, that's like our way of saying, do not fear. I'm showing up. Now, when the angel said, I was going to say approaching. When the angel said, do not fear, what they were doing is they were saying, God is coming. God is, God is among you. That he's bringing you great joy. He's going to bring you, he's going to bring you something that, that the world has been waiting for. Peace, goodwill toward men. See, if God is for you, who can be against you? God is for you. God doesn't, with, with the birth of Jesus Christ, you know what God shows? God shows that there's no accidental births. There's no accidental births. Jesus was born on purpose at the perfect time. Now, there may be accidental parents, but no accidental births. I'll let that kind of simmer in a little bit. You can go home and Google it if you're wondering, what does that mean? But there are no accidental births. You and I are not here by accident. God has a purpose and a plan for every single one of us. And you are not alone. So God wants us to know that the perfect time he's, he sent himself to let us know he's for us. That you're not alone in this, what we call a mess. But when he shows up, it becomes a beautiful mess. That even with our flaws, he, makes it, he, he can make something great out of it. Because Christmas, number three, is about salvation. That God came to save us, to rescue us. Some of us don't fully understand what salvation is and what God intended for us by sending us Jesus Christ. We don't, we don't understand the full picture. Some of us understand that, oh boy, yeah, that means I can go to heaven. But it's, it's more than 
God saving us from eternal separation from him. It's, it's more than saving us from hell. It's more than saving us from, from that separated life here on this earth. That Christ's salvation, God's salvation through Jesus Christ gives us freedom. It gives us purpose. And it gives us life. That's what he gives to us. And it includes your past. It includes your present. And it includes your future. Because he says, I have a hope for you, a future and a hope. Better plans than you have for yourself. Yes, God saves us from our sin, but he also saves us from ourself. Because many of us, our biggest problems, this is what I've figured out on, 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 in my life. Most of my problems, the biggest ones, is usually me. That's the biggest ones. It's myself. And God says, that's what I came to do. There are things that we go through that we regret and things that we do that makes matters worse. And there's something inside of us that calls out to God. God put that there. Even if you don't know God, if something tragic happens, you call out to him. I was, uh, my son, who was 25 now, he was probably about seven or eight years old, I can't remember, but he did something wrong, so I was gonna discipline him and he was gonna get one spanking on his behind because God, that's where God put a lot of meat for the cushion. So I said, Justin, you're going to get one swat. And so he turned around, and then he clenched up so that when the hit comes, it's not as bad. But then he blocked it with his hands. Now, as a parent, when you're trying to give them one swat, a one spanking, and they block it with their hands, you lose it. You just lose it. You're just like, don't block. But that's, a, that's, a, that's an automatic reaction. It's a reflex that we have. You try to have somebody punch you in your face and you say, no move, or don't block, or don't blink. It's an automatic reaction. So he's trying to block, and so I lose it. And I said, you know, if you just let me spank you one time, it'll be done. Your discipline is over, and then that will be it. And he keeps blocking, and I'm trying to spank him. Now, this is the Christian version that I'm giving you. So it was much worse than what it is right now. And so I'm trying to give him spanking, but he doesn't want me to, which makes sense. Who would want it? So after we're done, I speak with him about why that took place. And as, as I'm spanking him, this is what he does. Now, he's on the ground now. Don't worry. It wasn't <laughs> child abuse at all. It was spanking uh, like that. Very like, you know, why do I have to explain myself then? Why do I have to explain myself? <laughs> So as I'm giving him spanking, he looks up and he says, God, help me. <laughs> now, I laugh at it now. He laughs at it now, I hope. But I'm, I'm, I'm looking at him, and this is how horrifying I was as a parent at that moment. I'm looking at him, and as he looks up, I do this. <laughs> you're, you're, you're actually calling out to God. Now, he's on the ground, ah, God, help. God! And I, and I said, you know, the Bible actually says to do this. It, it says to, to don't, don't spare the rod. If, if you spare the rod, then you spoil the child. That I'm supposed to discipline you. That, that I can actually get a rod um, and, and spank you. Now, I'm, I'm telling him this, but it's not registering. So, uh, traumatic incident. And I've been forgiven since then. But once this was over and, and once we got to talk it out, and I sat down with him. This is what I realized. That in every single one of us, there is a need for God. 
but usually we call out to God when we're at our worst. Because many of us came to know Christ out of life's biggest setbacks. In the worst time of our life, we called out to God. And you know what is great about that? Not just that God came and heard our call, but he saved us. Because he sees past that situation. And then he opens up the doors to a brand new future. And he says, here's your brand new future. The sky's the limit. That he said, you dream your biggest dream and, and I will top that. The plans that you have for yourself, nowhere compared to the plans that I have for you. Galatians 4.4, it says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Yep. In other words, at the perfect time. At the perfect time, God came. And you may be calling out to God, but feel like God doesn't hear you. It seems like you're, you're, you're treading water, you're drowning, you're, you're sinking, and, and but where is God? I like the illustration of the lifeguard where, as a lifeguard, you know that when you're saving someone who's drowning, you have to wait for that perfect moment when that person is done struggling to keep themselves afloat. Because if you go in too quickly, then that person will not just drown, but will drown you too. Because they're fight for survival. So the lifeguard waits for that perfect time when that person has no more strength to keep themselves afloat. And it's at that perfect time that the lifeguard comes in and grabs that swimmer or that person that needing, who needs rescue. And because that person has no more strength, the lifeguard can bring them to safety. And what God does is he says, I, I, have a, I have a better plan for your life. I have a, a great plan. But you're still trying to do this on your own. You haven't surrendered all to me. You're still trying to live your life on your own strength. I can help you. I can do this. But you got to let everything go. And not until then will God say, I am here to rescue you. Because although God is there standing, waiting, or as the Bible says, he's at the door knocking, we're the ones that have to let him in. And God says, I, I have salvation for you that you cannot explain, but you can experience. As the Bible tells us in Mark 8, 36 and 37, what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? See, when you finally realize why he saved you, and then you begin to live for him, that this is why you're alive, that this is why I, I exist. Until you realize that, all the success in the world will never give you that deep satisfaction unless you live for him. We can strive for the better, the greater, the more, but then when we get that and lose our soul, then what? We strive for everything that we want but lose our family, then we get to that place, then what? See, what will happen is we will still want more. You know why? Because God put it there. God put eternity in the hearts of every single person so that we would seek Him, not things. Things will never be able to satisfy our heart's desires. But if God is there first, then he says, then I can add everything else because 
then it won't take my place. But what does it profit? Well, what do we gain if we gain if if we get the world, but we lose our own soul? There's no price we could pay for that. Luke two eleven, which is what I want us to understand today, that today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. Have been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. He's been born to you. It's a personal gift. Now again, Christmas is great. Now when your family starts to grow. There's that certain season where you stop getting individual gifts. And you say, you know what, brother, I get 10 kids. So we're just going to give them one family game on DVD that they all can watch. Because there's no way we can get them each individual gifts. And we understand that, you know, finances are tight. But God gives us individually Christ. He said, in this city, born to you this day. He's a personal God that wants to get you know, he wants to know you personally. See, you and I do things that we, we regret. And isn't this statement true? The Bible says, I don't understand myself at all for I really want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do the very thing I hate. I know perfectly well that what I am doing is wrong. And my bad conscience shows that I agree that the law of God is good. We all want to do good, but then we end up doing what is not good, and then our conscience tells us that wasn't good. The question then is, who saves us from that? Well, God does. He says, you can't be good enough for a perfect place. How much good can you do to accept my love? You can't do more good for me to love you anymore. I love you just as you are. You can't do less good for me to love you any less. I love you just the way you are. I'm the one that comes in to help you with the things that you cannot help yourself with. Government's not going to help us with peace or, or sin. Books won't do it. DVDs or specials that we watch, it's not going to do that. It's not going to, it can't take away the sin that we deal with. Our conscience of guilt. But God can. When you break the law, and I break the law, we pay for it. Some years ago, I, I actually, the other day I was thinking about what kinds of tickets did I get driving, you know, traffic. And so the first one was in high school. I remember my brother-in-law was driving a VW Bug ragtop. So we're driving past this one area, and all my friends are on the side waiting for the bus. This is on Oahu. So I see them, and I stand up through that ragtop. And I'm waving to them. I was like, Jose, what's up, brothers? Weird, our voice got to go high. But they're, I'm passing by. I'm like, what's up, brothers? And so we passed by. Didn't know a police officer was behind us. So blue light comes on, pull us over. And my brother-in-law had to pay the ticket. And his license was suspended till he was 18 or something like that. And someone had to pay the price. Someone had to pay the penalty. And I don't know if I got a, a ticket or, or something. I think I did. Something like reckless behavior, whatever that was. So that was my first one that I remember. The second one was coming down Panava Stretch. And Heidi was uh, going to work, and I was driving. And she, she needed to work at 7, and it was almost 7. So I was going 62 miles an hour. And over there is 55 miles an hour. So as I'm going in my rearview mirror, I see the police officer. And we hate that feeling, don't we? So 
I try to do what some of you guys do. I ditch them. <laughs> so I'm trying to, I, I know some of you are holy. You said, no, you slow down, you pull over. Uh, at that time, I wasn't that holy. So I was thinking, ah, he, he's far away. I can just maneuver through some streets. Don't try to avoid and maneuver your way with police officers. Don't do that. So I, he finally catches up with me and I pull over. And then, of course, he asked me, you know, how fast were you going and all of that. And I didn't know my speedometer was kind of broke. So I couldn't answer that. But I did get a ticket. And Heidi was only two minutes late. I could have made it on time if I drove speed limit and didn't get pulled over. But I got a ticket. That was the second one. And I had to pay a penalty for that, a fine. And then I had on my traffic abstract uh, that mark for, I think, five years or something like that. The third one... Now, this is a long time ago, like before black and white TV was a long time ago. I went through an orange light. Now, don't use this for your benefit, but the light was yellow when I went through. And a car behind me also went through the light. When I say orange, it was turning red. So... I got pulled over. And the police officer asked the question, do you know why I pulled you over? I said, I don't know why. And he said, because you went through the red light. I said, no, the light was yellow. He said, no, it changed to red and you was going through. And I said, um, there was a guy that was behind me that came also. How come you didn't get him? And he said, because you pulled over. I was like... I didn't do that. I was like, okay, officer, sure, sure, no problem. So basically what happened was, and I, I did deserve the ticket because we have wonderful police officers in our state and county here of Hawaii. Ne, aloha. Any police officers who are here? And if you did pull me over back then and you remember me, I love you because you saved me from an accident. So I had to pay that penalty. I had to go to court, and I had to pay it myself. When it comes to sin, I can't pay that because I broke God's law. How do you pay for a penalty that is a perfect or needs a perfect penalty payment for? How do you do that? We can't do that. That's why God sent us himself. That God said, you can't pay the penalty for breaking my law, but I can. And the wages of sin is death. And God says, I, I will send myself to pay the penalty for the law that you broke because I love you that much. I want to spend eternity with you. God says, that's what salvation is. It's me coming to you, not you coming to me. And although God comes all the way, he says, all you have to do is make that decision. It all starts in the heart because only God can clean our hearts. Salvation gives us the freedom to fulfill God's purpose in our lives. It, it gives us a brand new life. And we're not just saved from evil or from wrongdoing or because we broke God's law, but we're saved for good to do good and we're saved for eternity that's what Christmas is all about 
God wants us to have that peace. Peace is very expensive. It's so expensive that only God could pay for it with his very own life. That's what Christmas is all about. I don't know what season you're in, but I know what God can do. And he says, he has come to you. Peace and goodwill for everyone. And that's us included. Because he is the God who rescues us. Amen. You bow your heads with me. You can put away your notes and your Bible. And we're going to pray. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful that we have this season that we understand why why we celebrate Christmas. It's, it's, it's the birth of Jesus Christ. It's his birthday. We celebrate his birthday. It's a birthday party. And although sometimes for many of us it's not the most joyful time of the year, it's still his birthday. It's still the party that we celebrate. It's not just about decorations and gifts, but it's the gift that you gave to us. That you're for us. And that's what you, wanna, you want us to know. That you came to rescue us, to save us, to redeem us, so that we could be with you for all eternity. You might be here this morning and you're saying, well, I don't know God. I don't have a relationship with God. I don't, I don't even have that connection with him. And if you're saying, I, I want that peace. I want that joy. I, I want what God offers me and that's eternal life. And I want to give Christ my heart today. If that's you, could you just boldly lift a hand with everyone's head bowed and eyes closed. Just boldly lift a hand. Good, good. Anybody else? Even in the extended sanctuary, you're saying, I, I, want, I want Christ in my heart. I want to give him my life. Good. Anybody else? Good. Many hands. God bless you. He sees you. God sees your hand. Yep. God sees you. Back there. God sees you. God sees you. Here. Back there. God sees you. Hold them up. God sees your hands. Lord, I pray over these that that have their hands lifted right now, that you would show them the way, the truth, and the life. You can put your hands down right now. And here's the prayer that you pray to give your heart to Jesus Christ for those of you who lifted your hands. But we can all say this prayer together, even in the extended sanctuary. And here's the prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that you came and died for me. Thank you for your forgiveness. I believe in you, that you died on the cross, that you rose from the grave. I will live for you, and I will follow you every single day of my life. In Jesus' name I pray.